The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we've got a great show today. We're going to talk about happiness, and Linda, are you happy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think everybody probably has a different definition of happiness, and I really want to hear Lisa's. Yeah, but I'm feeling pretty good, and if feeling pretty good is happy, then I guess I'm happy. Yeah, well, I think feeling good is a huge component of being happy. I know when I don't feel well, you know, it's hard to be perky and happy, you know, but, you know, the concept of happiness is really interesting to me, Linda, because, you know, like, what does it mean to be happy? I mean, sometimes I'm happy because I got new beauty products. You know, sometimes I'm happy because I, you know, lost a few pounds. Um, Sometimes I'm happy because I'm eating cheesecake, you know. Yeah, but it's no, like, I'm, it takes a lot of forms. Well, that, that's, and I think it's just what we said. I think it's feeling good. If you're in that place where you're feeling good, um, it, you know, it, it, I guess you can look at that as being happy. I guess. I mean, there's like temporary happy, and you know what's funny about the word happiness is my nickname growing up was happy, and you know, I was happy all the time, you know, and it didn't matter. What was going on in my life, my mom said I would, you know, pop up out of bed, just a happy little girl. And when I had my one son, uh, my one son is very pensive and thoughtful and, you know, always has angst. And my other one is just, you know, like this little ball of sunshine. And he pops up and he's smiling and, you know, he rolls with things. And it's really interesting for me to see the difference in the two kids because, you know, they're raised in the same environment with the same genetic makeup. One of them is worried all the time. The other one is happy-go-lucky. It's really interesting. Well, it is. Uh, And, you know, it just makes me believe that, you know, we're just different souls, even though we're in the same in the same family with the same mother. Um, you know, we're we're individuals, and and believe me, the waking up happy and being happy is a much better way to be. Because I don't think I was ever that. I was more the pensive, worrying kind, and um, I am learning to be happy. And I think you know, for those of us that don't naturally come by that, um, it's. It's a process that you have to go through over the years because you realize that it's so much nicer. Life is so much sweeter when you do have that, oh, just let it roll off my back attitude. 
Well, you know, and I think as we get older, um, I know I've, I was very much let it roll off your back attitude. As I've gotten older, I've gotten, you know, more worrisome. And what's funny is my worrying siblings, you know, I've got a couple worriers, I've got a couple happy-go-luckies, you know, we all seem to be swinging back like to a center pendulum. Um, I tend to worry more and maybe it's just having kids, getting older, get divorced, who knows. Um, but the happy factor, I will say I wake up in the morning happy, you know, no matter <laughs> what's going Until on. Until life I gets at happy. you. Yes. Life yes. can suck it out of me by the end of the day. That's, <laughs> by you know, 10 o'clock, it's, oh, my God, <laughs> another day. <laughs> well, another I feel day. that way. I mean, I can play with Lucy, my puppy, and, I mean, I'm just giggling and happy because just to look at her makes me happy. Oh, and it doesn't yeah. take very much. You know, it's just it's just that sweetness, and, and it just puts you in a very, very good place. And you know how I am uh, really, really um, working at being in that good place a lot of the time because life is just that much better. Well, and are you finding it to be, get easier as you develop, like I'm going to call it the happy muscle, you know, the – you know, we talk a lot about letting go and and um, moving on or, you know, changing things. Like for me, I had to work on moving on. That was my, my issue. But um, did you, do you find that it gets easier the more you do it or is it staying consistent? I'm curious. Um, well, yeah, it is like a muscle that you have to work on. And as you work on it, it does get stronger. But I think, first of all, it's, you know, it's just being conscious of uh, where your mind is, where your head is, what your words are, because they really do influence the way you feel. So, uh, you know, I, there's so many, so many people are out there and they're talking, well, you know, I feel ugly today or my hair is terrible or I hate this person or this is, this is terrible and this is terrible and I, you know, I'm just, feel, I'm just not as pretty as they are and I wish I could date more and that person's really awful. And, and when, they, when you hear them talk and say, it's no wonder that they're so miserable. Yeah. You know, it's like the wish well, is becoming the deed, you know. Sure. Well, you know, one time when I worked at CBS, I went to hear this motivational speaker who was on, I don't know, some television show that was being produced by CBS. And we were all sitting in the audience, you know, and they were just staffers and, you know, show people. It wasn't like it was a public audience. And I don't remember who, who the speaker was, but they turned to the audience and they said, how many times a day do you think or say something negative? And, you know, I was like, I don't know. Uh, I don't really monitor my own thoughts. And she had me take a post-it because I raised my hand and I'm like, how are you supposed to monitor that? And it was so simple. She had me take a post-it, put it by my computer, and every time I had a negative thought, said something negative on the phone, now not correcting people because that was part of my job, um, but, but having those negative things come through, Oh, my God, Linda, like, by 9 a.m. in the morning, you know, and it was like I started recording it at 8.30, I had put, like, 25 little check boxes on this post-it, and I thought, this is not good. You know, this is not a good way to live my life, to have my day, and I have really become conscious of that since that time, you know, it doesn't mean I still don't slip into negativity, you know, now and again, but I'm aware of it. And I thought that was such an easy way. Just take a piece of paper, carry it with you, put a little check every time you have a negative thought about yourself or whatever. And 
And, you know, it was really it was really eye-opening for me, I will tell you yeah, that. It really explains a lot, right? And, and who creates all of that? It's you. And it's, that's what we do. We create our own drama. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, there's this <laughs> – I'm going to bring up this TV show. It's a Lego kids show. It's a Ninjago. It's like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the present day in um, – in uh, in Lego form, it's on. It's a cartoon. My kids watch it. Well, there's this guy Sensei Wu, and he talks about monitoring your thoughts. And he's like, you choose the thoughts you want to think. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And he said, like, you can't change the past. You can only improve on the future. And your brain is your own to think. And I thought, you know, we get bombarded by messages all the time. You know, in the media, on the internet. You know, the average advertising, the radio, and it never occurred to me that it's like, well, my thoughts are my own. I don't have to think these things. I don't have to read this article. I mean, if you have to for work, that's one thing, but, but your thoughts are truly your own if you manage them. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you, but you ha- again, you have to be conscious of what you're doing, what your thoughts are, and then you have to consciously say, well, I'm going to choose not to listen for a while. I'm yeah. going to think about something that makes me feel good or I'm going to be in a um in just in a place that makes me feel good or I'm going to be in the park. I mean, I was walking Lucy in the park today and it's just so beautiful. You were in that park by my home. Oh, yeah. And it I mean, it's just the most perfect time of the year because the blossoms are out. I mean, they're just magnificent. All the flowers are out and it's it's still clean and crisp because it hasn't been that warm yet and it's fresh. And it's just like being in the Garden of Eden, and you just have to stop and just, it makes you feel so good if you just take the time to appreciate what's around you. Well, that's a big thing, I'm going to tell you, Linda. I mean, how many people did you see in that park on their cell phones? Oh, you can't you can't move a block anywhere in New York, and I'm sure everywhere else, without people being on their cell phones. And, you know... It, I wonder how did people exist before they they carried all this around with them? I mean, I think we were happier. Oh, I think so. Well, and it was interesting you say that because I had um, I I did had a working lunch with my friend Mark on Monday, and he, he he makes a lot of money. He runs a great business, you know. He's popular and friendly, and he told me he's like, you know, Santa, I'm going to go away. Um, he's like, I got some stuff I want to do. He's like, I'm going to shut my phone off till Sunday, and I was like, <gasps> it's. Thursday, you know, like, how do you run your business? How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you? And he said to me, Stan, nobody dies because I shut off my phone. He's like, it's amazing how much stuff is not urgent, not important. It'll resolve itself. And he said, you know, if it's, if it's really, really that urgent, he's like, I check my email once a day. He's like, you know, I'll pop on and just casually check my phone, you know, but he's like, realistically, if I don't shut it off, he's like, I'm not happy. And I was like, wow, you know, because I'm glued to my two phones, you know. So I tried it on Saturday. I went to the beach with the kids and my dad and my brother. We went out to, um, we went out to Ventura Harbor and walked around. And you know what? I put my phones. I took them with me because, you know, I'm, I'm only growing on this thing. But I took them with me, and I left them in the car. Well, you know, if, if everybody that you're close to and love is with you. 
then you you don't really need them. It's the weekend. This is your time. I can understand if if you if your boys are somewhere else and that sure. you know they might want to call you, then that's that's a, a separate issue. But here, everybody was was with you. you uh, having a good time, you were close. There was, nothing else mattered. And if you can just get into that mode of, you know, right now nothing else matters except this moment and in this this moment in time having a good time with my family or whoever you're having a good time with, it just makes a difference. It does. It does. And we're going to go to break right now. And when we come back from the break, we're going to welcome Lisa Kamen. She's a happiness guru. You can check her out at HarvestingHappiness.com. And she's going to talk about how happiness changes as we age. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management. The holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Franklin and our show today is Powered Up and we are covering uh, some great information from coast to coast and today's show is about happiness and you know Linda, I want to relate it to beauty and bring our guest on uh, Lisa Kamen who you can find her at HarvestingHappiness.com she also does a great thing for soldiers HarvestingHappinessForHeroes.com but 
you know, we talk a lot about beauty and aging and uh, happiness. And, Elise, I want to ask you, you know, just can you give us a quick overview, what is happiness? Because we were talking in the opening segment about being happy about, you know, getting a new face cream versus really being, you know, like intrinsically happy or deep down happy. Can you explain the difference? And then we're going to talk a little bit about aging and beauty. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there are there are actually two different kinds of happiness. One is I'm going to give you the the Greek or Latin terms for them. One is hedonic happiness. The other is eudaimonic happiness. Hedonic happiness, which has its roots in a word that might be familiar to you, hedonism, is all about the happiness that we derive from sort of our lustful pleasures, whether it's that face cream, those fabulous high heels, sex, a person, place, or thing. And then there is the second kind of happiness that is really the more sustainable, authentic happiness that is eudaimonia, that comes from having a sense of passion, purpose, place, and meaning in the world. Okay, so that's why, like, the hedonic pleasures, if you will, they're temporary. You know, you buy a new pair of shoes, you think they're great, you know, but then, you know, two days later, they're in your closet and they're not giving you that same bang for your buck, of course, until you put them on again. Exactly. And let's not minimize the happiness, you know, the H factor that comes from that temporary spike in our joy from putting on those fabulous high heels and to the effects of that, that cream that you're talking about. They, they, they have their place, and there is nothing wrong with it. Yeah, well, but, I, but oh, they, ahead, but they do have their place, but, you know, so many people are hooked on the, uh, the, the effects of that, and it, it, they wear away so quickly, and it almost can be like a drug. You know, the more that you do it, the more you need of it because it's not satisfying that need anymore. I agree, Linda. In fact, you know, I often talk about the bowl with the hole, that we as humans, our nature, we are bowls. We are vessels with a hole, and we're always looking to get our bowls filled. And when we do get them filled with what we think we want, we're always looking for that next hit. Where is it going to come from um, to satisfy that, that need that we think we have? So they're two different things. There's what we think we need and what we really uh, need to, to thrive and flourish. And that's what this state of authentic happiness or sustainable well-being is. Yeah, well, and, and so many people don't really understand that or want it but don't know how to get it, so they use the hedonic pledges to sort of, you know, as a crutch. They do. They um, they use shopping as the uh, as the hobby, you know. Or as you know, I saw a fabulous pair of sweatpants, girls, the other day that says shopping is my cardio. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, getting that credit card out. Exactly. <laughs> So, so now let's relate it to beauty because one of the things, you know, Linda and I had on the facial magic lady, you know, a couple weeks ago, we talked to Lou Paget last week about sex. Um, when you're happy, and I see this, I see these frumpy-faced models, you know, all the time going down the runway in New York and Los Angeles, and, you know, they just look so, you know, grouchy and distant. I know they're supposed to do that, but when you see, like, a woman, and I don't care if she's 20 years old or 80 years old, and she smiles and is happy, and I'm talking about the twinkly eyes with the crinkly corners, it's beautiful. I mean, it's that, that radiant beauty that comes out, and I, I think that's one thing that our beauty products don't 
um, they don't, they might give us as a byproduct, but beauty, I think, radiates from happiness. I completely agree. And, you know, in fact, Dove, I think it was Dove that had a campaign about real beauty is, where it showed women in all shapes and sizes in their tidy whities really just expressing that radiance that you're talking about that that comes from that genuine smile the crinkle at the corner of the eyes and being comfortable in one's own skin yeah but now and then they have this latest campaign that we talked about last week uh on the show uh, where women were asked to uh describe themselves to a sketch artist and um and the, and to they did that, and then they left the room, and then a stranger came into the room um, that had just met with that woman, and he, they were asked the same question, described that woman, and the, and the sketch artist did it. And it was so different because the way the woman thought of herself was so much um, not as pretty as what a stranger thought of her. So, you know, it's amazing what, you know, the thoughts that go through our head, how they influence everything in our life. So how do you tame the negativity down so that we can get to that place where we say, okay, this is good. I'm happy. It, it's working. You know, I don't have to be superwoman. I'm okay the way I am. Ah, uh, this, I think, is the blessing of midlife. You know, I think that this <laughs> this is this is the gift that comes from you know when we have a, a, a we've reached our medallion level of the frequent flyer plan of life. You know that we begin to feel comfortable in our own skin, despite the cellulite, the whiskers, the lines, the the gray roots, whatever whatever it is that we deal with, and we think are the negative points and not the beautiful points. But we. I, I, I like to think for many of us, and it's a struggle that most women make through their lives, that we, we roll into that juicy right center portion of midlife, giving ourselves a break. So you really see that happening? I do see it happening, okay. and, I, and I do see it happening. I mean, the science bears this out as well, that there is a remarkable spike in self-reporting of happiness levels as we age. And it comes from many different places and reasons, which I can go into. But I find that very interesting because we would think the opposite would happen. You know, that the, the closer we get to the exit door, um, the more unhappy we would become, right? Yeah, well, that's the way I always thought about it. You know, when I was in my 30s and 40s, um, I thought, oh, my God, when you're in your 60s and 70s or 80s, you know, how horrible is life going to be? Because our role models uh, at that time were, were, not, were not good. No, I they understand. were crabby old people, you know, crabby old people that say whatever they say. And, and sick. Yeah, and sick. And but you the know. good news is that we are living longer. In 1900, the average lifespan was 47 years. That's not that long ago. No, it isn't. Wow. And God, now, I'd be almost dead. That, that's amazing. I, 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 yeah, I would be dead. <laughs> it would be over. The fat lady would have sung for me, at, you know? <laughs> but now, the average age is 78. And us women, you know, we've got a lot more mojo than the guys. You know, a lot of us are living a lot longer than 78. 
And I dare say sliding into that place in life more gracefully, more youthfully, more engaged. Um, it's interesting. This is a very timely subject because there's a lot of research coming out. And also, I've been working with a lot of older people. The last uh, few months, probably six months, I've been working with some philosophy groups that are comprised of women in their 70s and 80s. And these gals asked me to come and talk with them about happiness but more importantly, about how to find happiness in sort of the final stage of development in their lives, that they saw themselves as developing still. They did. They did. And I think that goes back to the beauty. You know, the, Linda, the, the question you were asking before about how it relates to beauty, I think, comes back to that place of feeling comfortable in one's own skin where we don't have to worry so much about being perfect, or we don't care so much about being perfect. We accept being perfectly imperfect. Were these women that you were talking to, are they a part of a, of a senior living or assisted living, or were they living on their own or, and still vital and doing different projects All... every day? Yes, yes to the second, all living on their own. Many of the spouses were still uh, alive and very much, uh, you know, vibrant and, and living life. In fact, one of the women says that the, uh, her husband had broken a knee or a hip or something. He had the replacement. She was so grateful that he could drive again because now she sits in the back of her car and reads, talks on the phone, or plays solitaire and pretends he's her chauffeur. She's, and they're 78. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's really funny how 78 doesn't seem that old these days. Because we're getting closer. Yes, we're closer absolutely. to it. <laughs> it's more. Absolutely. No, but, you know, again, aging is a, you know, age, how we age is a choice. I mean, we're all going to age. That's not a choice. But how we age and, and our, our mental, uh, our mental, you know, philosophy about aging, I think, is very, very important. And, and I think uh, just le letting, not worrying, letting things kind of roll um, and just enjoying everything and not sitting back. I mean, I have a friend now that's 89. I think she just had her 89th birthday. So to celebrate her 89th birthday, she hopped on a plane and went to Paris to visit with her friends. I mean, you know, that's way the go. way I, I want to be at 89, and she just enjoys every day of her life. It's not living in the past. It's not looking uh, at, you know, two years from now. It's, it's, okay, what am I doing today and tomorrow? And it's working for her because she's, she's just vibrant as hell. And, you know, I think that that is the point, that the, these women, that I'm really learning from them. They uh, talk about, look, I can't change what happened. And they all talk about their suffering, the loss of children too soon, the loss of spouses too soon, tragedy, trauma, illness, this, that, and the other. They, and they all said this to me, that they can't change what happened, but they sure want to live what they have now as fully and presently and joyfully as possible, and I think that that is the gift, the wisdom that comes uh, through joy in our older years or our mid years, even. Okay, well, we, guys, we'll take us to commercial break. Um, we're going to come back from the break, and we're going to talk more about aging and happiness and. Uh, creating happiness in our 40s, 50s, and 60s, and we're going to turn that tide around that, you know, as we get older, we get 
grouchier, grumpier. You know, Lisa Kamen of HarvestingHappiness.com has enlightened us that that is not the case. So if you want to find out how to look more beautiful, cultivate your happiness, you're going to come back after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. Tossing pennies into the fountain of youth. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? Well, grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraisemillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. What does success mean to you? Money? Power? Fame? Having everything money can buy? Does it mean having a job or career that you love? A great family life? Or simply to be happy? If you're still searching for answers, then join us each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for Primetime Success Radio, where Alan Skidmore and his special guests will discuss health, finances, relationships, being in business, and how you can have a life that is not only successful, but a life of meaning. Alan has been studying success principles for over 25 years through reading, attending seminars, interviewing successful people, and a daily lesson from the School of Hard Knocks. And now he wants to share that information with you. So join Alan Skidmore on Primetime Success Radio every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Rockstar Radio Network, as he takes you on a journey of finding the heart of your success. Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's some more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls about 42. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And from coast to coast, we've got you covered on everything from money, sex, to beauty and love. If you missed the earlier part of today's show, you can pick us up on iTunes under Powered Up Talk Radio. You can go to the .com by the same name, PoweredUpTalkRadio.com, or you can go to our host station, Toginet.com, to pick up this show and other shows that we've had in the past. And we love to talk about beauty, don't we, Linda? Oh, yeah. That's, that's, uh, every woman, I think, is re- even though they may not admit it, I think it, they really... It's a fascinating subject. I know um, I say that I watch every makeover show on television. I watch every every infomercial that has, you know, beauty, makeup, tricks, 
skincare. I don't run out and buy everything, but I love to watch the transformations because it really psychologically does so much for the woman. Well, it does, and to me it's like a catch-22, Linda. You know, I had a lunch uh, date this week on Monday, and, you know, I had gotten up, gotten myself all cleaned up, so, you know, I looked nice enough, but I was so stressed out. I had a couple calls that I had to handle, a couple fires that I had to pull out, you know, before I go to this lunch, and I had jammed my hands in my hair. They had, like, I looked like Einstein, you know, it was just, you know, (laughs) hair going one way, you know, my eyeliner went the other way. And but worse off because I look right into a mirror when I work. Um, I had the scowliest, grouchy face on, and I thought, you know what? I gotta, I gotta ratchet this down. I gotta go from crappy to happy, and I need to do it quick. And I ran in the bathroom, combed my hair real quick, just threw on some lip gloss, and I made a conscious effort to change my energy state because I'm like, wow, if I go into this meeting and into this nice lunch, you know, with all this bad energy. I, it's not going to go turn out well. No. no, and I looked ugly. I looked all confirmed. I don't know what the issue is. How do with that one? Come on, Lisa, maybe. For yes. For Stunkina. Yeah, but, like that, but you made a conscious decision. That's what we were talking about before, Lisa, is how we can make a conscious decision to be happy. We can make a conscious decision to keep our heart open. If our heart is open, we're going to be happy. Indeed, indeed, that, 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 that's where, that truly is where this sustainable or authentic joy resides. And the beauty aspect is an important component. You know, I'm not so sure the physical beauty aspect ties in more as the emotional beauty, really having an appreciation for the exquisiteness of our individuality, of the other person in our life that we love and cherish and care for. And that is not the, the surface beauty. Yes, we all want to look at a pretty prize. You know, that's for sure. But really, the the beauty is something that is much deeper. I have a question for you, because when you're in in a situation where you're living with somebody on a daily basis and you are in a good space, but maybe the person that you're in the relationship with isn't in a good space, it takes everything that you have not to be drawn into that negativity. Because it's, it's, it's easy to go there. It is. It is because our emotions are very powerful. Not only are our emotions powerful in keeping ourselves trapped, but they also are like a magnet, you know, and they can suck us into the vortex of somebody else's bad space, you know, their bad emotions. So what I, what I like to share with people is to really live by example. You know, it, it is impossible to be happy 100% of the time. I really believe that, that that is, that's saccharine happiness and that's not what we're talking about, but it is possible and very much within our power and control to make self-honoring decisions as much as possible. And that's really where the mojo is with this, this happiness business. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it's really important. And I think if people understood what stress was doing to them um, versus what happiness can do to them, um, it, it's a no-brainer. It really is. It's just difficult. It's something that you have to work on. Well, because we want to get into blame. 
this is and part of happiness really is self mastery. You know that once we have self mastery, a command of ourselves, our command of our emotions. <clears throat> excuse me, we because we can't be in control of everybody else, and we can't be in control of the world and how it operates and the randomness of it all. And that includes when bad things happen. But what we can control is ourselves and our thoughts, and we have the power at any given time and moment to alter that. I mean, that's pretty amazing. That's no, really ultimate power. It is, and we have the ultimate power all the time. It's just that we don't believe it, and if you don't believe it, it's very hard to um, to to act on it. But especially with women, because they, it seems to me uh, there are a lot of the, they're giving their power away, and it, you know you have to take it back to know it's all about you. Other, pe- if you're not happy yourself, other people have not got the power to make you happy. It's your it's 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 your job. To it make is. yourself happy. It is your job to make yourself happy. And the happiness does come through those deep, connected, heartfelt, loving relationships. It comes from having that sense of passion, purpose, place, and meaning, as I, as I like to say, in the world, which yeah. is essential for all of us. And choosing to show up for life with the right attitude. Right. Just like those older uh-uh. women. Those older women you were talking about, I just want to go back there for a second because, you know, the ultimate fear that I think, you know, really holds us a hostage is, is the fear of dying. I mean, we're all going to die, but, you know, nobody likes, I mean, if, when you have the thought of it or having the thought of, of writing a will or, or estate planning or anything like that, people say, no, 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 I, you know, but the thought of your own death is horrifying. So as you get older, how are these women, did they talk about that? We have spoken of it, and it's really a very relevant topic right now. There's a lot of work being done in this process of dying the good death, which again goes back to being empowered. It's look, we're all we've we've come to go. There is, you know, we we come onto this planet, onto this earth, and one thing is for certain: we're all going to die, and we're all going to suffer at some point in our lives. I can guarantee both. But the the death process is something that we also can control. We might not be able to control how we're going to die, but we can certainly control how our affairs are going to be in order or not around that moment. In other words, you know, writing that will, having, um, you know, the, uh, the do not resuscitate orders, having the, uh, all the advocacy paperwork prepared and filed, letting our wishes be known, making peace with those relatives and friends and people that we might not, that we might have unfinished business with. That is part of that good death process. And these women are definitely uh, addressing this in this last phase of their lives, most definitely. Well, and that's so important that you bring that up, girls, because we're going to have Rosemary Collins on the show on uh, the 28th of, of May of this coming month uh, to talk about hospice and how hospice can assist you in your dying process. And I will tell you, I thought hospice was fabulous with my mother. I mean, the people were so wonderful and the information that we were all given and my mom was happy, you know, you can, you know, the dying process is very, very sad, but, you know, my mom got to say goodbye to everybody she wanted to say goodbye to. You know, she was given support and love and information as she went through that dying process, and I think um, recognizing it and being cognizant of it, it can, I think it can change your, your state of happiness. 
and, and also change the state of happiness and mourning for those that will live on after we're gone. You know, that because the, the, the death process, we're gone. We don't know what's going to be on the other side. We can only speculate, you know. Right. But the, the, the relatives and loved ones who are left behind to deal with their mourning, I think if they are invited into this very aware process, it becomes that much easier to um, go through the natural stages of grieving and move on, you know, to return to that set point of, of pre-stress or pre-trauma happiness. Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, it's so important to talk about stuff like this because, you know, I did all my grieving, you know, as my mom was dying, you know, and she died over a period of five years, and, you know, the actual active phase of dying was about 30 days. I had cried myself to death by the time she actually passed. And some of my siblings held it all in and then grieved after. And it was so interesting to me that we all handled it in our own ways, and they were all completely different, and not one was better than the other, I don't think. No, it's a process. It's very individual. And, you know, here's another fact that we should all consider about death. And it's very funny to have a happiness expert on the show talking about death, but it's relevant to some recent work that I've been doing. It used to be in the olden days, a loved one would die. And we would keep them on ice in the house. There'd be a wake or a shiva or whatever. We wouldn't give up our dead. And then they'd get buried out in the back 40. So that mm-hmm. death process was very much a part of the living process. And then we had these funeral parlors that, that came into fashion where we would hand off our dead and, in a sense, separate ourselves from part of that natural grieving process. And... Um, that, I think, has caused a little bit of a disconnect and even more fear around the death process. I think so, because I, I can tell you, I mean, this might sound morbid to you guys and some of our listeners, but my mom, when we were little, we used to go have a picnic on my grandma's grave. We would go, you know, to the cemetery where my grandma was buried, and my mom would put a blanket down, and we'd all sit, and, you know, I remember I got stung by a bee on my knee, and I was like, Grandma, I got stung, and, you know, it was a big part, and I think because my, you know, parents' family were immigrants, I think, you know, it was a little different, but I think the more removed we get from that process, the scarier it becomes because, you know, when I tell my kids, like, oh, yeah, you know, we went to do this. Well, guess what? This summer we're going to go do the same thing for my mom. And, I, you know, I think it does take something out of it when you're familiar with it, if that makes sense. Yes. It takes the charge, the, the fear or the uncertainty out of it. Well, yeah, so many people pleasant. now are not even getting buried. I mean, lately, any any uh, people that have died that I've I've known, they've decided to be cremated. And and uh, in fact, one a young guy that just died in December, um, he wanted his ashes uh, scattered in Paris. So his mom, dad, uh, wife, and daughter just came back from Paris because they scattered his ashes in five different places in Paris that he that he really loved and enjoyed so it was like it was like a family you know scattering i don't know it was it was it's different it's but it was but different good yeah different good good. got to be where he loved you know yeah Oh, well, listen, you guys got to take us to commercial break. I want to thank Lisa Kamen for being the only woman to come on the show to talk about happiness and bring up death. God bless her <laughs> for that. But Absolutely. No, important. You need to check her out at harvestinghappiness.com. When we come back from the break, you'll hear more from Beth and Franklin. 
we've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Fascinated by the stories behind the stories, the people behind their masks, the truth about people's failures and redemptions in both their business and personal lives, then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years. And now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Evermore, people have the means to live. But no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl. The inspiration for the movie, Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection. With host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we just had a visit with Lisa Kamen of Harvesting Happiness. Linda, isn't she a hoot? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, happiness is such a complex uh, topic. We could have had her on for hours. I mean, there's just so many different pieces of it. But uh, it was it was interesting, and, and I I don't know why I played on the death card so much, but I but I thought it was really interesting <laughs> because so many people, it plays a death plays a big part in their life. Oh, absolutely, and, and it's something everybody's going to face themselves, and that that's something they're going to face with the people they love and care about. And I, you know, think that you know the more that we can talk about the process and and what it feels like. You know, when my mom was dying, I googled what does it feel like when your mom dies, and I was really curious because I didn't know. You know, that's something everybody experiences once, and everybody experiences it differently. And I couldn't really find it anything out there, you know, so I'm going to put some stuff out there in the coming weeks about this, um, because everybody feels that loss differently, and like I said, it's not better or worse, but the more we're aware of it, the more we talk about it, the more we know what to expect or what possibly we could expect, I think we can achieve a level of happiness in our lives, even in difficult situations. Well, I think that's part of it. I think that's what real happiness is, or that's what 
um, we have to learn because it, it is so true that we have no idea what's coming down the pike tomorrow or, or in the next minute or the next hour. And there's going to be some crappy stuff and there's going to be a lot of good stuff. But if we can learn to just go through the crappy stuff but keep our equilibrium, keep it, let's not go off the deep end and become crazy about it because it's like, a, like I always say, the cloud that's going to pass, it's going to pass eventually. So worrying, I mean, I'm really getting to that point of worrying because I'm a worrier. So, you know, worrying doesn't serve a purpose. And so when I find myself in that worrying place, I get out as soon as I'm aware of it, I get out. I, I get out of that place because I know it's it's not. It's a bad place to be in, and it doesn't feel good. It really doesn't. So no, it doesn't uh, feel good. So you know, w- what's going to happen is what's going to happen. It's what am I going to do when it does happen? Um, it, it, and you don't know until you're, you're there. So why worry about it ahead of time? That's right. Well, and I think that's about, you know, I want to talk about, you know, you want to talk about relationship agreements, which I do too, and I want to talk about those in respect to what we're talking about, about being attached to an outcome. Like what I've learned with my kids is they, you know, they don't really look at what's going to happen a week from now or two weeks from now, you know, and they might be building something or creating something, but they're not attached to an outcome. And I think, you know... With being, you know, like with talking about death, you know, attached to an outcome, obviously we know the outcome, Um, but with relationship agreements, we get so attached to the outcome. With prenups, we get attached to the outcome. You know, are we going to stay together? Are we going to get divorced? You know, and I, I, I'm, I'm all for the prenup. Don't get me wrong. And you know, I don't know how I feel about relationship agreements. Well, this but is I even can. more. It's like it's crazyville. It's like it, I mean, everything is spelled out. Like you get sex twice a, a week. I agree to stay 120 pounds. You know, I no. we could go out this many. No piano playing while the husband is home. Wife can't wear anything green. Husband gets $100,000 if wife weighs over 170 pounds. Wife not allowed to cut her hair. If husband cheats, he must pay the wife a bonus of up to $5 million. I mean, <laughs> holy moly. I mean, that. How, nobody can live up to that agreement. That is hilarious. Isn't well, you know, something? I... I do watch The Big Bang Theory. Do you ever watch The Big I Bang Theory? I love that program. <laughs> Me too. One of my favorites. I've, I've even got my husband watching it. It is a hoot. It is so funny. It's so clever. And do you remember when Sheldon drew up the 31-page contract before he and Amy could become, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend? <laughs> right. You know, and it was so funny. But, you know, it's it's kind of true. You know, it's like... I think when I go out, you know, and I, I meet men, you know, prospective men, you know, to, that I might be a life partner with someday. First of all, it's really hard not to become attached to the outcome in the beginning, you know, because I'm a girl. I mean, that's just kind of what we do. But, you know, with this relationship agreement, it's, it's like I wouldn't want anybody telling me, okay, Sian, and maybe it's just because I've been single, a single mother so long, you need to stay 120 pounds. You need to not cut your hair. I'd be like, you are out of your cotton-picking mind, and there goes the relationship. <laughs> yeah, I would think so, too, but don't, if it goes the other way, too. But, I mean, so you're, all, what, you're always walking on eggshells because, you, you know, you're going to break the agreement? I mean, that's not that. Talk about not being spontaneous. Holy cow. <laughs> Well, yeah, and talk about how to suck the joy out of stuff. I you know. know. Like, 
So it's just like another business deal. You know, it's a contract. You break the contract, you're out. Yeah, but to me, it's a, it's it's trying to control the outcome. It's trying to control my hair or my weight or your earning potential. You know, and sometimes I think it's the aberrations in life that can be the most fun. You know, um, I know gaining weight for me was not fun, but taking it off has been a ball. You know, I have made so many friends, and, you know, the, the men and women in my life have been so supportive. And I... Think of how unloved I'd feel if I never got all that fat loss support. <laughs> I know that sounds strange. Well, you know, but really, somebody... because there's so many people that want, including me. I mean, I, I, I'm a neatness freak, and I like to know my schedule, and I and I want to I want to control, and I'm learning to pull back from that because I am learning if the, the control that we think that we have is all based in fear. Like yeah. what would happen if the house wasn't clean or what happens if this happened or what? And it's all, so you want to like have everything neat and clean and in a row and predictable because that way you're not going to get hurt. And I want to tell you that is the hundred percent opposite of happiness is control. Absolutely. Because it Absolutely. takes the joy out of everything. And so, I mean, you know, it takes you time to go through a lifetime to figure the, some of these things out, but it's sure it's the truth. And so I've let go a lot of my control because it, it, it doesn't work anyway. It's just, it's it's crazy. Oh, you know, and it's so funny, Linda, because we're so different, you know, and I'm I'm more a chaos girl, and I, you know, my house is not, you know, perfect. I mean, even when I didn't have kids, you know, but what I'm finding is I have to stop running away from control. Like, my MO, as soon as, you know, a guy that I'm dating starts to get too intense or too, like, you know, I want to, you know, let's, let's, let's get together, like, every week, and, you know, I want you to call me every night before you go to bed, and, you know, and as soon as I get those things, I'm, like, out the open door. You know, it's like, flash. You, know? <laughs> you don't even see me leaving. Um, but then I realized recently that my running away from these control things, it was probably because I was married to such a controlling person for so long, but the minute I start feeling those shackles come on, the minute I feel those routine comes in and the have to, must to, should, you're supposed to, it's like putting on a fur coat made of eels. It's just so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know. It's, it's scary. It, it. It's scary. Yeah, because you, you, want your, you want your breath, you want your space. But I think that for when you find the right person, there's not going to be any demands. Yeah, you, you know, we're going to speak every night. And we're going to go out every Tuesday night for, for Italian food, and we're going to the sh- to movies on Thursday. It won't be like that. It'll be, it'll, be, it'll be easy. It'll be calm. He'll want to do for you. He'll want to make you happy and, and vice versa. And whatever works, it, it will be more like living in that, you know, in that moment when you're together rather than expectations. Yeah, because, boy, you know, I just, I couldn't do that, you know. And so it is interesting. I will tell you, I had two different men tell me the same thing in one week. And one of them I really like and one of them I really, I just don't have any chemistry with. And the one I didn't have any chemistry with said, gosh, Dan, your hair is really pretty. It's getting long. 
don't ever cut it. And I was like, don't you tell me what to do with my hair. And then the other one looked at my hair, the one that I like, and he's like, oh, Sam, your hair looks so pretty. It's getting long. He's like, don't ever cut it. You know, <laughs> the same really? Thing. Oh, really? <laughs> and, and, and when he said hair. it, it was okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which just shows the fickle nature of women. Yeah. No, it, it's all about chemistry. It's all about that energy. And somebody can tell you something, uh, like you said, and it, it really, so you know, like, who the hell do you think you are telling me that? And then another person, you could take it as a compliment. Oh, my God, he thinks my hair is pretty, and you become a little girl. <laughs> exactly. I went in the mirror, and I'm, like, looking at it. And I'm like, it is pretty. <laughs> I know. But that's the fun part. It is the fun part. And I will tell you, you know, from being somebody who's had to rebuild her life at 40 with two kids, learning to let go and just have some fun is, like, really hard. But once you master it, and, like, for me, I'm not attached to the outcome. You know, when you go on these dating sites or people, you know, contact me from the web or, you know, sometimes they pick up the phone and call their friends of friends. They always ask me the same thing. They're like, well, what are you looking for? I'm looking to be in a long-term relationship, you know, with a wonderful woman who respects me. And it's just such crap. It's like, I know we all believe that. But you know what the fact of the matter is, Linda? I'm getting up in the morning, and I look forward to meeting somebody who makes me happy. Yes. And somebody you know? that, yes, absolutely. And somebody that you can honestly say, this, I really love this person because when I'm with them, I feel my heart is open and it's just, it's just a pleasure to be with them. Now, I don't know if there's that many people on the planet that that can happen with, but there are, there are some and you can really tell the difference. Yeah. And it's important that you pay attention and pay attention to your gut. Get out of your head because your head isn't going to tell you what you need to know. You got when you're with that person or you know in anything, just shut it down and just just go with what your body, what your your insides are telling you, because that's the truth. Right, it's like the flare factor. Like when the flare goes up, like when everybody lights up in the room, when two people are together that really, really like each other, it's like fireworks go off. You know, they're just they both light up, and I'm I'm not going to settle for anything but the light up. I don't I don't blame you because you can't fake it, and your happiness is just too important. That's right. That's right. Because it's like you know when I think of that agreement, and I know we got to go soon, but you know, fat, thin, young, old, money, no money, everybody changes in their life. Situations change. Economics change. We've just lived through a long economic change. You can't control all those. You can't predict them. And you try to put them in a relationship agreement is crazy. If you learn to let go of the outcome, if you learn to let go of control, I think you can be a lot happier. I agree, a hundred percent. Absolutely. So that that. For this week, we're, we're going to practice that all week. We're going to practice that all week. All right. Well, I'm going to take us to the end of the show. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found some things that will make your life happier. And for this week, it's Linda Buck and Linda Franklin on Powered Up. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and pre-